people pleasers are liars. And I learned that from my coach. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard to hear as a people pleaser. But when you are in the space of people pleasing, you are not being authentic. So this goes back to what we were just talking about. You're not in alignment with your values. You have no boundaries and you're essentially, you know, lying to people so that they will like you. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of the Goddess, where brilliant women come to take a break from their successful and sometimes overwhelming lives to level up, live free, and create abundance. If your hectic life has you feeling a bit lost, if you're building your career brand or business, or if you simply want to get the most out of life, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Julieta Wenzel, founder of Body and Soul PT and Soul Candy. And I'm your co-host, Graciela Laurent, professional portrait photographer specializing in boudoir and personal branding. Whether you're relaxing with a cup of coffee or running around town, we've got you. Whatever you're doing, thanks for bringing us along and sharing a laugh. Here comes the magic. Hello, hello. We are live yet again. I was leaving the whoop whoop for you. <laughs> well, I'm going to change it up and I'm not going to do the whoop whoop today. Oh, okay. No whoop whoop necessary. No whoop whoop necessary. <laughs> We're taking up a lot of space on YouTube, you know. I love this. We're just putting our, you know, selves out there. We are, we are. So, uh, what's new in your world? Mm. Oh, you want me to ask you a funny question for today? Let's yeah, say. I do. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but let's see. Here's a good one. Um, what purchase have you made like less than $100 or, you know, something small, but that has positively impacted your life? That's a good one. So, um, you know, because I, I have such a terrible memory, but last week, it, this is kind of funny. I purchased Copal sticks, which were like almost nothing. But can I tell you how happy they make me? Because every time I burn it, A, they just smell good by themselves. But also it takes me back to our Mexican retreat every time I burn it. Oh, my God. Because, you know, we talked about that numerous times. Like the retreat center was burning it everywhere all day. Like wherever we walked, there was this beautiful. I swear there was practically somebody chasing us with Kapow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we'd come out of our casita and there would be a stick of Kapow burning. And then we'd get to the dining hall and there would be Kapow burning. And um, it's just, you know, like there's a lot of things that we burn and some of them smell great. Some of the fake incenses that people burn just burn my nose and I can't stand it. Um, but there's something about the kapal that just is very like grounding and nurturing and, um, yeah, it just feels good. So it was like, you know, I, I bought like 80 sticks of it also. So I could share with, um, the people who attended our event last Friday night, but, um, you know, 20 bucks or something for, for 80 sticks of kapal, that was a deal. And, um, just, 
You know, I burnt one this morning when I got to the office. And you know, I think for me, because I've always smelled Kapal in a ceremonial environment, it always takes me back there, right? Like that, um, the it like it's instantly sacredness. It's instantly feels like good weather, right? Like it's instantly reminds me of how things tasted and how our experience. I think my favorite um, Kapal memory was they, that night that they did dinner for us, like under the stars, how we were literally sitting outside and the weather was perfect. And they were just bringing us food. Like, Oh my God, that was so incredible. And like, we had our own, like your own dedicated stick of incense. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. Um, so what's your purchase? Well, you're going to laugh, but it's probably all my malas that I get from Julieta Soul Candy. So I today, love that one. I'm wearing this one, which I, it's orange. What, what's this stone again? That's carnelian. Carnelian. I can never remember. I just know how they feel. I can never remember the, um, the names of the stones, but this one I wear because I love the creativity that I feel, but I have another one that has tiger's eye and that one is what I call like my moneymaker. It is my manifestation one. And every time I have a big um, event that I just need like an extra boost, I'm telling you, it shows up, it does the job. Like that is absolutely one of my favorites. I tend to wear a lot of tiger's eye. Like I have quite a few um, mm -hmm. so I think for whatever reason, that's one of my, you know, one of the ones that's always working with me. It's um, a good stone. It's a lucky stone. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying your work. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for supporting me. <laughs> All right. Let's bring our guest on. Welcome, Laura. Welcome. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We are happy you're here too. Will you please take a minute to, to introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what keeps you passionate about what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Laura Kelly. I'm an immigration attorney. Um, I have my own practice, and I am also a life coach for attorneys, um, and I try to help attorneys find joy, harmony, and peace in their practices and their lives. And I think that what keeps me passionate is helping the helpers. Um, that's what I always come back to is helping the helpers. And that's and, and it doesn't have to be just immigration attorneys, but um, so many women especially get into the law, not because they want to make money, but because they recognize this is the best way that they are able to help society and help other people. And there and is a uh, helper uh, fatigue you know, there's a, what, what a, a great niche to go into because, um, you know, I spent 20 years in the legal field and, um, we were completely, we, the staff were just so completely unprepared for, um, the, I'm going to call it like the side secondary trauma that you're experiencing because of the stories that show up, right. And the clients and, and their experiences and, you know, everyone taught us how to do the job, but no one told us how to manage the emotional toil of working with folks who have been traumatized. You know, um, there was a, a book that I uh, read called uh, 
uh, trauma stewardship, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, you've heard of it. Yes. And uh, it just, you know, it, the, what I love is that the book opens with her talking about how differently she sees the world because of her experiences. So I'm curious, how do you work with um, attorneys in those spaces? Well, I have to say, you know, I think that people who are dealing with trauma, they need to be specifically trained to deal with trauma, um, both secondary and primary tra trauma. And in fact, nowadays, um, there's this idea that secondary trauma doesn't exist. It's just trauma. Like, why are we making it like primary, secondary? It's just trauma. We are all dealing with a lot of trauma. And when we're, when we hear whether something happens to us or we're, we're listening to it, it's still happening to us because we still have to hold space for somebody who's, who's um, dealt with a very um, traumatic event. Um, so I think people really need to have very specific training to work with that training that I do not have. So I want to be really clear about that. It's not something to just think, Oh, I can, I can help people um, with trauma. No, you have to really be educated um, and, and I would say licensed <laughs> to do that. Um, and so like, but, and, and that's for, I, I would say mental health professionals as a coach or even as a mentor. So I'm also the president of the American immigration lawyers association, South Florida chapter. And so, you know, when we are, when we're thinking about doing, and I'm also on the, um, our well-being committee for our national organization. Um, and it used to be called the lawyer well-being committee, but we've, you know, we've, we're changing the name because we want to include the paralegals, the assistants, the support staff as well. Like we cannot be just focused on attorneys and the trauma that they're facing or the, or the well-being um, issues that they're facing. Anyways, point being, you know, we have to be very mindful about um, what we can and cannot do and how we process trauma differently. And so I think the idea is to have the resources to share with people so that they can get the help that they need when it comes to trauma. Um, and then also, you know, I've, ha I've had to do my own work on this. I've been an immigration attorney for over 10 years now. And, you know, there's a lot of people who go into this field with a martyr complex, like that they are literally, or a savior, excuse me, a savior complex, that they can save people. I save people's lives. My job is to save people's lives. And that is a lot of pressure and it's not true. And so that's one of the things that I try to like, let's, you know, like if you think that your job is to save people's lives um, rather than recognizing the role that we're all playing in this larger universe um, and recognizing that, you know, like one of the things I like to say to my clients and to my um, other fellow colleagues is, you know, my client's karma is not my karma. It's not my karma. And my karma is not their karma. And so we all just have to do the best that we can, um, given our karma, given the universe, given everything that's playing out. Now, that's a very long winded response. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a great response. And, you know, it um, means so much to me that you're including um, paralegals and staff and things like that, because, you know, um, when I was in the field, we were the, the front lines, you know, so the attorneys would um, have the, you know, short legal focus, you know, this, these are the things that we need to get done. And then the client would hang up with the attorney, call back the staff and be like, okay, so what did he mean? You know? Right. And then exactly. they would want to like therapy with us. And it was like, we were, we're not qualified for that. And also how do you hang up on somebody that um, just lost a family member? Right. So 
there's just so much of that. I mean, I, I did 20 years of that. Um, and when I was done, I was done. <laughs> um, I, I love all my clients very much and you can't help but um, fall in love with their stories. So I, I'm glad to hear that you guys are providing um, information on how to set boundaries, how to set your own protections, right? Absolutely. And that's the thing is that we, we, we talk about turnover in the law, not only for attorneys, but for support staff. And then, you know, we don't have, um, you know, law firm owners and supervisors um, really, you know, um, caring for the emotional bandwidth and mental health of, of, of the support staff as well. I mean, including attorneys, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's it definitely has to be a holistic approach. Uh, and I'm glad that my national organization is, is definitely making strides in that. I think um, the ABA, the American Bar Association is also making strides with this because, yeah, again, you know, one of the biggest things we talk about when we talk about boundaries is delegate, 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 right? But you're delegating a lot of very difficult emotional things to support staff who are not trained. And it's like the attorneys, I would say, I'm not trained to deal with this either. It's like yeah, but that, you know, we can't just put it off on somebody else and then be like, not my problem. I'm not going to deal with it. You know? And that's how you get that burnt out assistance, paralegals and, yeah, and for sure. Them. And, and, you know, I'm as much as I appreciate it, like bagels on a Friday ain't cutting the trauma. Like, exactly. <laughs> like we, we need deeper work, you know, we need deeper work. So um, with the work that you do, do you go into firms and speak to them or tell me a little bit more about what your daily work looks like? So right now, because I'm the president of my chapter, I've taken a step back on my normal coaching program. So I I have a I had up until the last couple of months a group coaching program where we would um, I had a platform where people could come in, watch modules at their own pace, and then every week we would have a group coaching session. Um, and I offer also offered one-on-one -on -one classes. I have on various occasions gone into law firms to um, create like a cohesive team around around some of my coaching concepts. So uh, for example, one of my big things is, you know, mindful communication, uh, time management and boundaries. And it's all well and good if a certain portion of a firm does this, right? Or like an att one attorney does it. But if everybody's not on the same page, you're, you're not having a co cohesive team. So going into in a firm, a firm setting and getting everybody on the same page um, is really helpful. And I've had, uh, you know, good feedback from the law firms who have worked with me on on that. You know, taking like three hours even can really um, make some changes. But again, the, the law firm culture has to be prepared for that because, you know, when I come in and I say, listen, you know, some some bosses, you know, want to be able to just pick up the phone and call anybody at any time and, and interrupt their workflow. Um, you know, same thing with assistants. They just want to come and walk into your office, you know, if you're in person and ask questions. And my big thing is like you, we need to stop interrupting each other so that we can be efficient so that we can work. And when we set office hours where we can um, interrupt, interrupt each other or ask questions or get the support that we need, but it can't be a free, like free for all every day, everybody interrupting people. And my, the questions I always get is like, yes, but how can I explain this to my boss? I'm like, okay, so that's where the mindful communication comes in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, but the law firm culture has to be prepared to do things differently. And if you know anything about law firm owners, 
<laughs> you know, that's the big struggle. Also, you know, like paralegals who've been doing the same thing the same way for many, many years, you know, there's I mean, resistance to change, right? That's the big thing, resistance to change. But without, without change, we don't have growth. We don't have progress. So we can either keep it exactly the same, something that's clearly not working, or you wouldn't be reaching out to me to like, you know, make some changes. Um, you have to actually be willing to make the changes. I was going to say change is an interesting concept in all, you know, because the only thing that's constant is change. Right. And, and how do we as human beings um, become more open to embracing it? And because uh, everything is always changing. I mean, yeah, I, I, is how, how much it adds to your bottom line. Like, you know, I know like how you, how you said, uh, you know, law firm owners, like, okay, talk that language. The language is that it does affect your bottom line because happiness always leads to flow and flow leads to happiness. And, you know, and that, and that affects your bottom line. So happy workers are productive workers. Um, and that's, and that's true, you know, and, and Julieta, the, that the idea of change is constant. You know, I always say we, we hate uncertainty, right. And changes creates, you know, uncertainty. But that's like you said, it's it's things are always changing. Everything is uncertain. What we what we believe is certainty is actually familiarity. We believe that the same things are going to happen over and over again. Like we commute every day the same way and it's always the same. But it's not at any moment. Um, it, it You know, somebody can hit you, hit your car. A meteor could fall from the sky. You know, many, 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 many variables can change at any moment. And it's the the familiarity is not certainty. It just feels like it. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it's fun watching um, you two, because uh, I have no legal world experience at all. But it also, listening to you guys talk, it makes me realize that it doesn't matter the industry, the, you know, this, the problems are out there all over the place. And, um, uh, you know, it's nice to see someone trying to tackle some of the problems and create some positivity. And I hope that it's happening in, in other areas um, professionally out there in the world, you know, as someone who is about to leave the Western medical world because I'm, I don't belong there. <laughs> um, and part of it is because of people's inability to um, bring the humanity back to, to healthcare and, um, you know, but I, 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 as you're talking, it's like the humanity needs to be brought back everywhere because we're not, we're not machines just pushing through. And, um, you know, our, our emotions are evolved, whether you're in the legal field, whether you're in, um, you know, the medical field, it's not just, um, making widgets, there's emotions involved and all of that needs to be, um, addressed and, and, um, not ignored. Like it's a real part of what we do and we are human. So, um, yeah, let's make some changes out there world. <laughs> I, I love that. As you were saying, I was thinking widgets, 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 but I, I believe that that's, you know, our, our consumer culture, uh, has us, um, as consumers, we're the widgets, right? We have to keep, keep on producing so we can keep on buying so we can keep on you know keep on consuming and, and we like to look at i was thinking even you know teaching like schools you know it's it's very much like this these students have to be you know like like this and we need them to sit still and we need you know 
um, yeah, we treat, we take the humanity out of just about everything because um, it's, you know, there's a profit margin, you know? Mm. <laughs> so you obviously um, have been making this uh, transition, right? So what are some limiting beliefs that you held that you kind of needed to let go of to be able to step into the space where you are now? Um, well, it's hard because there's, there's, you know, there's still, there still are, you know, like everybody has limiting beliefs, right? No matter how far we progress, there's limiting beliefs that we are not even yet aware of. Um, but I think that for me, um, I, I had to let go of the belief that if I stopped coaching for even a moment that I would lose my momentum and lose my drive. And, and I think that, you know, I actually had to trust that I, I, I needed the, the space and time to do my job as chapter president um, properly, um, to have time for me as a person and my goals and my have time for my daughter. Um, and so something had to give. So I, this is one of the things that comes into my time management coaching, right, is um, the idea that we can just stuff more things into a certain amount of time is completely incorrect because there's all, something always has to give. And for me, in this moment, I had to put the coaching on the back, back burner as the lowest priority because I was not going to put myself as the lowest priority. Um, and so the, the limiting belief that if I don't keep doing this, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose an opportunity to get back to where I was in the future. No, that's false. I, I, I had to trust and accept that once I'm ready to get back into um, my podcasting and coaching space, I'm going to be able to do it from a, a much different place than if I was tight and constricted and thin, worn thin, you know? So that's, that's one where I'm at right now. That's that's powerful, you know, to be able to see it and and work yourself through that. That is that's powerful stuff there. And, and I think it's hard if you're a perfectionist as well. It's like, you know, do, 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 do. Um, who says that we're human doers rather than human beings? Um, I forget who that comes from, but that's the idea. We have to just keep doing more and more and more and more and more. And it's like, nope, you have to be able to look at the panorama and say, where am I? able to pull more time so that I have time for myself. And, and for most people, I think it is actually probably scrolling, <laughs> you know, right? It's the social media, the scrolling, like the things that, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, okay, well, what do you really want? What do you really want? Um, but, but something always has to give. There's just, you know, we have the same 24 hours in a day. Yes, you can delegate, delegate, delegate. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's not about doing more. Sometimes it's about just doing, just doing the things that you do with priority, with with awareness, and with um, with you know nourishment. I would say. I feel like also we've you know society, and that's part of this masculine energy that's out there that we have to do do do, and the feminine energy is creative, and we create not so much by doing, but by being the space for creation to happen. I mean, you think. Like you make babies, but like you're not sitting there like doing, doing, doing like a seed is planted and it grows. And so it's being the space for for whatever it is you want to create to to grow as opposed to being there micromanaging it and doing, doing, doing. And um, I think we we all get to explore a little bit like what what does that space look like and let go of the constant doing and because you can create more 
when you're in that space of allowing and being. Um, yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're busy all the time, right? You don't have time to think. You don't have time to be. There, where's the creative juice flowing in that? There's none. You know, I mean that, that you know, uh, it's it's very hard. Well, it's not hard. It's impossible to multitask. We our brains can't do it. So if we don't have the space to be creative, we don't have the openness, the you know, to to allow um, things to manifest. Then it's they're not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Exactly. I forget who it was that said that um, thinking is hard work too. You know, like just sitting back and just let your mind go blank for a hot minute. Um, that counts too. You know, that's that's part of the process as well. So don't don't discount quiet time. Um, I want to ask you uh, for a book recommendation. You know, we always say that we're putting together a library of must read books. And um, as one of the few lawyers on this show, I'm curious what your perspective is. What's a book that you think everyone should read? Um, so the book that I, the number one book I would recommend is um, uh, The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. Uh, that book is, uh, I first listened to it on audiobook, then bought the book and read it and rereading it. Uh, she's such a phenomenal teacher, author. She is a an intellectual, not, she's not just like woo woo, you know, not that there's anything wrong with woo woo, but she's an intellectual. She went to Harvard. Um, she's an ex-Mormon and she wrote this beautiful book about getting back into integrity. And she starts talking about integrity, not in this thing that we think about honesty as integrity, but rather when you get to the root word of integrity, it's integer, right? And it's a whole number. And so coming the way of integrity is coming back into wholeness with ourselves to completeness, understanding wholeness and completeness. And she actually does it um, through a parable of Dante's Inferno. And she talks about, um, you know, basically, she kind of deconstructs Dante's Inferno, which I had never read. But I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that this was about um, hell on earth, actually, and how we create hell on earth ourselves as opposed to it being this place that we go to when we die. Um, and she talks about how Dante's Inferno, the way we work through these, our, the, hell, the hell of our own creation is us out of alignment with ourselves and out of integrity with ourselves. And as long as she says something like, the universe is always going to deliver to you. The universe always wants to deliver good things to you. But when you're not in integrity, when you're not whole, when you're not complete, um, when you're not in alignment with your values, the universe doesn't know where to deliver the goods. Um, and I just, I love that. And, and the, the book is phenomenal. It's just, it's just phenomenal. I, so I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think that is a new book to our library, which is phenomenal. We, um, uh, like I would say, like at some point people are just going to be recommending books that we've already put in the library. And, um, but it, it never ceases to amaze me that, that our guests always come up with, with new books. I'm going, did you go and study all the books that other guests have said so you knew to bring a new one? <laughs> so. okay, so the moment where I was like, oh God, I hope this is a new one. <laughs> it is totally a new one. So, and I love like the integrity really goes along with, you know, one of our big themes here is authenticity. Yeah. And authenticity is being, being an integrity with yourself. So it's a, it's a great addition to the library. 
So we're getting close to the end of the show here, but I'm wondering if you have like one golden nugget, one piece of wisdom to, to share with our audience as a parting gift for them. Oh, um, <laughs> let's see. A parting gift of wisdom, I would say, is that um, this, is, this is one that is, was hard for me to accept, but I think is one of the most important lessons that I ever learned. And that's that people pleasers are liars. And I learned that from my coach. And that was really hard to hear as a people pleaser. But when I, when I learned that and I said, well, I don't want to be a liar. I'm somebody who I am honest to a fault. It's like, but when you are in the space of people pleasing, you are not being authentic. So this goes back to what we were just talking about. You're not in alignment with your values. You have no boundaries and you're essentially, you know, lying to people so that they will like you. But the, the you that they like isn't you at all. And so what's the point? So people pleasers are liars. And as hard as that is to stomach to say, wait, but I want to be a person of integrity. I want to be a person of authenticity. I want to be a person in alignment with my values. And so that means I have to have strong boundaries. And I have to show up for myself first in order to show up for other people. And um that's what it means to be, you know, honest. Right? I love that. And I especially because I feel like because of it's a, it's a little harsh. Yeah. And I think that harshness like is it can make that because it sounds like it was that for you. Like the way out of it. it made sense, like to stop people pleasing. Um, you know, I have a, a similar thing like that that really helped me was when I was told that givers who only give are takers. Like to be a true giver, you also have to be willing to receive because if you never allow anybody to give to you, you're robbing them of the gift of giving. Right. And that was when I was like, oh, so like I need to let people help me and do things for me because they feel good doing it and I need to let them feel good too. So um, this way of saying, you know, people... People pleasers, pleasers are liars. Like that, it hits it home at a different level. That it's like, yeah, I, I really do have to change this. Because I think that when we talk about people pleasing, we say it's like it's like we know it's like uh, not a positive thing, but we do believe it's a positive thing, right? Like I'm such a people pleaser. I'm such a giver. What we're really saying is I'm such a martyr. Um, and so please, you know, like me more because oh, you know, she's such a martyr, and it's you know, it's such a self-serving lie and we don't see the the conceit and the disingenuous disingenuousness of it you know and when you hear that people pleasers are liars that comes from brooke castillo by the way i want to give her massive credit for that um and the the, the you know you can be in your opposite of disingenuousness <laughs> ingenuousness i don't know is that a word um <laughs> right because it's like oh no there's nothing there's nothing good about that you know to just you know there's nothing good about it uh, it doesn't help anybody yeah, that's a, it's such a great uh, reframe, and maybe that's me. Maybe that's true. I love that. I think you're freezing up there a bit, Graciela. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's um, hopefully uh, that created a shift for somebody out there today. Someone who needed to hear that message and uh, stop people pleasing. <laughs> If you're going to please somebody, please yourself. That's what I was going to say. Please yourself. Please yes. yourself. 
Yes. Goes back to our earlier message today of um, from a previous episode of self-love. It's the rule. So love yourself, please yourself, and the world will be a better place for it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. It's a great pleasure having you on the show today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And uh, if you want to hear more from Laura or find out how to get in touch with her or myself or Graciela, check out the show notes. All the details are in there. And uh, with that, I want to wish everybody a magical day. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today and keeping us in the top 10% of podcasts in the world. Ask us how you can promote your business on this podcast as a sponsor. And make sure you check out the show notes for details on how to get in touch with Julieta, Graciela, or today's special guest. We're sending you lots of love and gratitude. Have a magical day.